Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. Tommy, gotta love the music. Thanks, Coulter. That's my favorite part about it. Welcome back into Nuanas Now, your one-stop shop for all things music reviews, but also talk a fair amount of sports around here as well. You listen to 1029 ESPN Missoula. If you're trying to watch in on SWX Montana Television, well, American Legion Baseball is on the tube right now, so if you want to check us out, you can go to the YouTube. Uh, YouTube is uh, available just by going N-U-A-N-E-Z on YouTube, and you can just Subscribe and have it on your phone. It's a great way to stream the show, whether you're watching or listening. That works on your phone, your mobile devices, all that stuff. So please go check out the YouTube channel. Missed anything in the first hour of the show? Been a fun one. Beckett Arthur joined us as part of our senior spotlight. He's a Missoula Hellgate graduate and uh, the recently anointed Montana Gatorade Player of the Year. Uh, in boys soccer, he's headed to Whitworth, part of our senior spotlight series, highlighting the best seniors from around the uh, state of Montana. We also heard from our good friend Carolyn, chick who doesn't know sports, talking uh, everything from LeBron James to youth soccer and uh, international soccer as well, everything in between, and also give you a little couple thoughts on a few pivotal elimination games in the uh, NBA playoffs 
upcoming and what the uh, ramifications might be for the future of those specific franchises. Here in just a few minutes, Katie Bussey, former Montana State All-American basketball player and now the newest member of Trisha Binford's staff for the MSU women's basketball team, will join us. But if you missed anything in that first hour of the show, you can always find it on the podcast, which is proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications, the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel, and Sports Bet Montana. Also, Justin Angle, a business angle, coming up here in oh, about 20 minutes. Tommy, do we have Katie? Uh, nope, not yet. Okay, we can call her uh, right now in a... A little background on Katie Bussey. I mentioned she was an All-American. She's a great player from 2008 to 2012 uh, for, the, for Montana State. She was an uh, WBCA All-American her senior year. Hails from Alamosa, Colorado. And uh, she spent the last almost decade playing in the Netherlands, Sweden, and Germany. So I haven't interviewed Katie in a couple of years. I did get to interview her a couple times uh, during her pro career, but have not since she since retired and has gotten into the coaching game. Uh, so we'll be excited to catch up with Katie. But it'll be interesting to see how she meshes with Trisha Bidford because they always had great chemistry when Katie was a player. Uh, during her career, 1,710 points, which is uh, second all-time at Montana State. She also holds the record for uh, points in a game with 41. That's a Montana State and tied for the Big Sky Conference all-time record. Uh, 41 points against Idaho State in 2012. I remember that game very well. She's the all-time leader in Bobcat history as well in three-point makes, 254 of them. And uh, that was the best total in Big Sky Conference history when she graduated from Montana State. Coulter, did you tell this guest we would call him? I did, yes. Because, man, it's like high school all over again. I'm getting rejected. Oh, bummer. Here in the back. I can't get anyone to answer my calls. But I did leave Katie a message. We'll continue efforting so here, her from I, the control I, th- booth This here. might actually... I, I, uh, I'm going to make sure I have this right here in the outline. I'm sure it is, but I'm going to uh, give it to you here on the, the messenger. But regardless, th- this might actually be an issue where I believe we are calling her on her mother's phone uh, because she does not have an American cell phone yet <laughs> because she has been living... Uh, abroad, so um, oh, wow. maybe uh, Katie will um, call us back, or maybe just try her one more time. But I did send you the the official number on. Yeah, uh, we're on it. Thanks. Okay, great. Thank you very much, Tommy. Gonna have a fun day tomorrow. Um, the annual Grizz football um, golf tournament taking place at Canyon River, so we're gonna swing by there, make an appearance. Uh, see some of the coaches and uh, maybe some players and, and maybe some of you loyal listeners as well. So that'd be exciting. I can't wait to see what Bobby Houck thinks about his team's recent ranking in the uh, Athlon poll, as it were. <laughs> the Grizzlies ranked number 11, and I thought that was a little bit low for both Montana and Montana State. Um, Montana State was ranked number 8 as well. I think these are two top 8 and maybe even top 5 teams uh, in the national landscape in the FCS. I think Montana State's going to be pretty darn good as well. I've been hearing some good things about the Bobcat defense and their acclimation to Freddie Banks' scheme over there, uh, the new defensive coordinator for the Bobcats. So I do think both Montana schools have a chance to be pretty darn good, but I can't wait to talk to Coach Houck and, and run by uh, him what he thinks of this uh, this ranking because I think that he'll maybe, – maybe he probably is, is going to just be dismissive of it, but I, I do think that uh, internally – Probably motivation that the Grizz are ranked outside the top 10 because I do think they think they have a pretty darn good team. I think they have a pretty darn good team. So um, it'll be fun to see 
Coach Alkin and the staff tomorrow out there at Canyon River. Uh, Canyon River, a great supporter of us here at Nuana is now. That's what you're listening to. 1029 ESPN Missoula. Statewide television, SWX Montana TV. One piece of news that has been circulating around the state uh, that people have been asking me about for updates. I'll give you another update. We gave you the kind of the uh, play-by-play over the last week here, but Catherine Burkoff, Missoula Hellgate alum, who uh, was a 16-time state champion for the Knights, I believe she broke state records in every single one of those 16 races at one point or another. I believe she holds 16 state records, which is unbelievable. She's a sophomore swimmer now at North Carolina State, but she has been competing in the U.S. swim trials in Omaha, Nebraska. She needed to finish first or second in the final to earn a spot on the United States Olympic team before headed to Tokyo. Unfortunately, in the women's 100-meter backstroke on Tuesday night, she finished fourth. Her time was great, and it would have been good enough probably to qualify if the heat wouldn't have been so fast. But uh, a couple of the fastest times in the history of America and the history of the event kept Burkoff out of the uh, top two spots. She has two days off now, though, before competing in the 200-meter backstroke prelims Friday. She's traditionally better in the 100 backstroke than she is in the 200. But not completely door-closed so far for Burkoff. She does have one more opportunity to qualify for the Olympic team. But either way, she has been unbelievable uh, in her decoration throughout her high school career and also now um, in her college career as well. She has helped uh, her North Carolina State team win three national titles, and she's also earned seven All-American honors already at the collegiate level. So she has been lights out. If you missed it on the TV, it's because it was on tape delay, but I think you can still find um, the U.S. trials if you want to watch the race. SwimSwam.com. That's where you need to go if you want to watch Catherine Burkoff from the Olympic trials. New piece of news today, Maya Hansen, who was once uh, the youngest commitment to the uh, University of Montana women's basketball program, has now since committed to Butler. She decommitted from the Lady Grizz a couple weeks ago, citing uh, some new opportunities, which this obviously was one of them, as well as uh, the fact that there's been some coaching changes at Montana. She was originally committed to Shan Schwain, who was then dismissed. Mike Petrino took over as the interim head coach, and then he was not retained. He's now at Boise State, by the way, as an assistant. And then Maya Hansen decommitted to new Lady Grizz head coach, Brian Holsinger, uh, and now... As of today, three, about three hours ago, Mike Shirting from the Billings Gazette breaking that Maya Hansen has given her verbal commitment to Butler. Butler plays in the Big East. I know Hansen recently went on a visit there. Uh, Hansen is already a 1,000-point scorer during her high school career between stops at Laurel and Billings Central. She started her time at Laurel, and that was where she was first recruited and committed. And uh, now the last two years of Billings Central, she's been outstanding, averaging 17.4 points per game. And uh, the Central, the Rams, they were the co-state champions two years ago, and they were the uh, Class A runner-up a year ago after losing to Haver in the state championship game. Um, Hanson, she confirmed to the Gazette that she had gone on that official visit, and she said she liked the atmosphere, looks forward to playing in Hinkle Fieldhouse, which was built in 1928 and is designated as a national historical landmark. I can tell you why. I was there in March. Uh, It was an outstanding venue. I really enjoyed being there. Um, You can feel the spirits in there. I know that sounds funny for people that maybe don't believe in that kind of stuff. I strongly do, but uh, it's haunted by ghosts, but good ghosts. You can feel the, the, um, the energy and, and the history. It's just, it sort of almost consumes you when you're at Hinkle Fieldhouse. So, um, 
a great venue. I'm not surprised that a, a Montana girl would visit that and be very enthused about that. Um, so congratulations to Maya Hansen. It is not a uh, signing, so she's just verbally committed. So it could change, but it sounds like she's rescinded from Montana and at least for now is headed to Butler in Indianapolis, Indiana um, to play hoops. But she still has a year of uh, entertaining us here in Montana at least, at least a year, um, at Billing Central, her senior year upcoming. So Maya Hansen on the move. From Montana, from the Lady Grizz to Butler University. Snuana is now 1029 ESPN Missoula. Most of the time, you watch us on statewide television, SWX Montana TV, but had a uh, American Legion baseball game. Now it looks like we got some uh, outdoor hunting sort of show on the SWX. I got it right here in front of me in the studio. It's uh, interesting to have the monster up here. I get to watch. Isn't that cool? It is cool. I get to watch the the weather and the news all day now, uh, which is great. It's very bizarre watching my own self on live television, um, but regardless, uh, very cool to be able to, to see and, and actually uh, cl- see what, what our collaboration with SWX has um, produced. Another piece of recruiting news when it comes to women's basketball, they give it and they take it away, but in this case, they take it away with Maya Hansen decubating, but they give it with Drea Wacker of Classy Melstone announcing her commitment to play for the Lady Grizz. She is a... Uh, She'll be a senior this upcoming year. So uh, she's one of the top scorers in the state, averaged 25.1 points per game. She tore her ACL against Weibo on January 30th. So she will likely be healthy for her senior year, but she has already scored 1,759 points. Excuse me. She's been a uh, Class C All-State selection uh, two times. So Drea Wacker, she committed to the University of Montana women's basketball team yesterday. Another piece of recruiting news. From the great state of Montana, Brendan Howard, a former two-time Gatorade Player of the Year in uh, boys basketball out of Great Falls, Montana. He had been uh, playing at Montana State Billings. He is going to go to North Dakota for his final year of eligibility. So a long, winding track, a guy that almost went to Montana State, almost followed in the footsteps of his mother, Kathleen McLaughlin, uh, who was the all-time leading scorer in the history of Bobcat basketball. But then he ended up going to Eastern Washington, but then a coaching change there. Ended up uh, sending Brendan Howard to Montana State Billings to play for Mick Durham. Ironically, the former head coach of the Montana State Bobcats. Bobby Howard, Brendan's older brother, also on Mick Durham's staff. And so uh, Brendan Howard has been great at MSUB in the Great Falls, or excuse me, the Great North, Great West North, the GNAC, excuse me, the Great Northwest Athletic Conference. I always stumble over my words when I'm talking about the GNAC, but Howard has been great there. Now he will return to a former Big Sky Conference school who is now playing in the Summit League uh, in North Dakota. So congratulations to him. I know he's a guy that has had a lot of interest, especially from people with Bobcat ties, because his mother, again, Kathleen McLaughlin, one of the great Bobcat women's players in the history of the school. And uh, his brother Bobby, also an all-Big Sky player for the Bobcats some 10, 12 years ago as well. I'm interested to see uh, how Montana State's basketball team evolves, because they did, we talked about this a couple days ago, but I do think it's very uh, impactful. They were able to retain all three of their seniors, all those guys are going to take extra eligibility. They were able to get a good donation or a good piece of financial support, I should say, uh, from Ben and Sue Schmidt, who are great uh, Bobcat boosters. But Danny Sprinkle made sure to thank them by name. But that's an interesting way to do it is to um, get the scholarships from the guys that are staying, uh, fundraise basically to, to get that done. And Amin Adamu, Xavier Bishop, and um, 
Abdul Muhammad, all three of those guys will return as super seniors next year to Montana State. We'll see how other teams in the league manage that sort of situation, that sort of uh, challenge, because um, it's great that the COVID year resulted in the NCAA giving these guys extra eligibility. It's cool that they're going to get to come back and play if they by chance did miss the season and or if they just played in front of empty arenas the whole time. I mean, like Amin Adamu, he's played in front of the brick before uh, Brick Breed and Fieldhouse, but Xavier Bishop has not. Uh, Abdul Muhammad has not. He's never been, they've never played in front of sellout crowds. They never played in the Cat Grizz game period because the Cat Grizz games were canceled this last year because of COVID-19. So uh, a lot of experiences left to be had for those guys. It's cool to get to come back, but you also have to figure out a way to pay for it. You have to figure out a way to fund the scholarships. And so Montese was creative in doing that, and it would be interesting to see how other teams around the league um, handle similar sorts of situations. Nuan is now 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Apologies because we were expecting Katie Bussey, but she um, was un- we were unable to reach her. But maybe we'll circle, circle back around with Katie. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to get a hold of her at some point, because uh, she's definitely somebody I enjoy having on this show immensely and uh, can't wait to catch up with her again. Uh, but in the meantime, we'll stay tuned for that. Um, but we have to get out because just an angle. It's a business angle. We usually do this every other Tuesday, the overlay between business and sports. But we had to move it to Thursday this week because Justin's been on the road. So Justin Angle, University of Montana business professor, will join us here on Nuanas Now right after this. After a long couple of months, it's finally feeling like we're getting back to business as usual. But it's not the usual at all. At Missoula's Wingate, we are, as always, committed to giving you a relaxing stay at a great value. But we're also balancing the new guidelines, like maximum pool occupancies and increased disinfecting, to protect your health with a never-ending pledge to make you feel at home when you're not. If you find yourself on the road in the Missoula area, please consider staying with us at Missoula's Wingate. ESPN Radio Eminem. I understand if you can you're, uh, you're a little bit young. I like. I like. What, 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 I year, like, what year were you born? Like 1993? Two. 92? Yeah, you're a little young for Eminem. I like how, like, the fan base of Eminem is so strangely rabid for a guy who's done seemingly nothing for music. What? <laughs> He's done nothing for music. Not really. He's one of the most prolific and outstanding rappers. Emma. I mean, I get that. No one raps better than Eminem. I get that. Um, but I, 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 but I don't get Eminem. I don't think Eminem gets Eminem. You know, the fact that Eminem was able to meld shock rap, story like true storytelling, songwriting style, hip hop while also being produced by one of the great rap legends of all time. And, oh, by the way, he's telling stories from the trailer park in Detroit as a white guy who also 
had a, a huge edge. I mean, he's one of the most broadly appealing artists of all time. I mean, it's very rare that you're going to get people from so many different backgrounds and so many different races to uh, all listen to the same guy. And it, but they all weren't listening to him for the same reasons. That's the most fascinating part about it. Eminem was one of the first music artists to ever have half the world hate him yet still listen to him all the time. Hmm. That's fascinating. That is really fascinating. Yeah, the guy's good, you know. But, uh, eh. Him and Hendrix, meh. <laughs> Here we go. Looks like SWX Montana. By the way, listen to Nuana is now 1029 ESPN Missoula. Uh, we are uh, being... Uh, no, we're not on SWX Montana today because we got some Legion baseball going on. So Great Falls Chargers and the Billings Royals set to play their second of a doubleheader here. So that will be live here on uh, SWX here in just a moment. We will also be uh, going into the Paddleheads game later on tonight here on ESPN Missoula. So keep it right here. Jeff Safford on the call. I, I listened to a fair amount of the Paddleheads game uh, last night while driving around, uh, running some errands and... Uh, Jeff's doing a great job. He's, he does a great job painting a picture. It's very pleasant to listen to his broadcasting. He's got great pace, um, great voice. So if you're a radio junkie, you should tune in. Or if you're a baseball fan, tune in. Or if he's like a winner, tune in. Because the Paddleheads are smoking hot. They are absolutely killing it. And so uh, be sure to tune in to every single non-Tuesday here on ESPN Missoula. Because we'll have every single Paddleheads game home and away, all 92 games of action right here on ESPN Missoula. Just a couple minutes, Justin Angle is going to join us. It's a business angle presented by Blackfoot Communications. Justin is a business professor at the University of Montana. We talk about the overlay between sports and business here on Nuanas Now. We do this every other week. We usually do it on Tuesdays, but we... Uh, Moved it to Thursday this week because Justin's on the road. I didn't even catch up with you, Justin. I knew you were on the road. We made the whole plan. But where are you at? What have you been up to? Oh, gosh. I've been all over the place, man. Uh, I was in Grand Teton National Park and trying to make a late season uh, attempt on the Great uh, on the Grand Teton. And um got thwarted by some, you know, you need enough ice to make a safe ascent of the route we were trying to climb, and uh, there was just not enough ice left. It had all melted out, and what was left was a waterfall and some really hollow ice, and so we turned around, had a nice nap at about 12,000 feet, and um, a morning ski on some pretty soft and summery snow. So that's where I was. An epic outdoorsman. I gotta love it. Have you seen? <laughs> I, I, I know you're a guy that likes film. So have you seen the movie Dirtbag that about Frank Brecky? It debuted at the Big Sky Documentary Film Festival a couple years back. All about one of the great climbers in the history of of mankind, really. Oh yeah, the Becky stories are yeah. are just infamous, and Dirtbag was fantastic. I recommend it to anybody who's interested in kind of climbing culture and subculture, and just the the some of the crazy characters that uh, pioneered that sport. I would recommend it to anybody that thinks 
that likes humans because it is just fascinating. He is a fascinating human. I mean, this guy, this guy like basically lives off cans of tuna out of his car for like decades. It's a, it's phenomenal that he, uh, the life he lived is just so funny and all the stories are so great. He's like a, a mythical legend in, in, in the climbing world. So go check that out. Dirtbag uh, chronicling the great life of, of Frank Becky, Justin Engel joining us. It's a business angle presented by Blackfoot communications. We talk about the overlay between business and sport here at Nuanez now, uh, every other week and it's always fun catching up with Justin so a couple topics to get to Justin first and foremost the college football playoff this is starting to gain a little bit of steam there has been a lot of narrative around the college football playoff both in its uh, creation and then uh, the way it's been able to sort of sustain but also the field and how it's just a four-team field and how it gives very few of the 125 FBS programs uh, even a chance to have a seat at the table. It's become a pay-to-play sport, and very few schools even have an opportunity to do it. It's why we've seen a very similar playoff field for the duration of the college football playoff. But the committee is now proposing perhaps an expansion to 12 playoff teams. So broadly, just hash this out for us because uh, it seems like this is a, a, a giant revenue opportunity, particularly with adding more games on television and marketing it at a broader level. But also, I think for sports fans, I think uh, more more is always better, and we love tournament styles, especially at the collegiate level. So what are your thoughts on the potential expansion of the college football playoff? Yeah, I think there's a lot of kind of meta themes to be thinking about here. One of the themes we've talked about um, over the weeks of doing this segment is the, the power dynamics in college football and college sports in, in particular. Like, what role does the NCAA a play what power do they have are they going to maintain power and in general the, some of the playoff movement in college football and some of these other movements have been sort of threats to that to that power and um, it's also consistent with the threats to the power of the NCAA with regard to paying um, athletes and so forth so it's sort of in that world of disruption if you will beyond that I mean I think that I think folks would agree that the move to these uh, these playoffs in general has been a move toward a more legitimate um, championship decision. Right, it leads to a more uh, you know a more legitimate champion of college football. Not perfect, um, but closer. Right, and it's a disruption of these general sort of bowl structure that leads to a ton of money to the schools that participate but as you mentioned before it's kind of this pay-to-play system it's kind of arbitrary to some degree and it's really hard to know like what the winner of one bowl um, how that team ranks versus another so i think getting the playoff in general is 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 a good move toward um creating more legitimate champion. And when I say legitimate, I mean uh, a champion that reflects what it actually is the best team in college football or, or probably more accurately, what's, what team is playing best at the end of the year. Um, I think in college, college basketball, we see that often. It's not necessarily the team that's performed the best over the entire year. It's the team that kind of performs the best over the year and into the tournament. Um, so depending on you know whatever you're trying to measure, I think expanding the the, the, the playoff field to, to 12 teams um, is a good move in general. But you know this this Sports Illustrated story that that I you know we discussed um, before this segment was 
kind of illustrating how complicated it is to kind of pull these things off. Um, the subterfuge involved, involved with the negotiations, um, the high stakes, the secrecy, um, and all these dimensions. Because at the end of the day, like, you know, the people uh, arranging in making these decisions are, you know, they are, they, they control, um, giant budgets and have a lot of power in college sports. And so it's interesting to see kind of how these things come to pass um, behind the scenes. I'd recommend anybody interested in how the sausage is made, read that article in Sports Illustrated about how this 12 uh, playoff team proposal has come to pass. From a fan perspective, I think that everybody really wants to see this just because we love competition. And I think that one of the great parts about postseasons in uh, particularly collegiate sports is oftentimes the best team and the hottest team do coincide with one another, but oftentimes the best team Mm -hmm. becomes the hottest team or the hottest team, I guess, finishes as the best team, even if they weren't for the duration of the season. I think that's always been the argument to expanding this thing because, you know, what if there's a, a, a team that drops a game early in the season all out of the way uh, Oregon did in Justin Herbert's uh, senior year. They had dropped the first game of the year, and they were never able to get back in the playoff mix. They played in the Rose Bowl, but they are never able to get back into the full playoff mix. So I do think that uh, there is some intrigue there. What do you think, though, in terms of the uh, business side of this, th- this thing, in terms of the TV rights? I mean, this seems like a no-brainer in terms of wanting to expand it if you wanted to expand your television coverage, your broadcasting of this Playoff? Is there any drawbacks to that, though, or what do you think of just the 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 what the TV rights negotiations might be like if this were to occur? Yeah, I mean, I think in general these games are super lucrative for all involved, um, but I do think there's a limit at which you know if if you milk the cow too much, the cow gets a little tired, so to speak. It'll be interesting to see like how this plays out you know with this this additional number of games um, if it starts to reduce the number of bowl games, if it makes some of the existing bowl games a less relevant, a less meaningful, lower ratings, et cetera. But I do think there's a point at which you get saturation with these sort of post season games um you know, it'd be interesting to see too, like in which direction they move the season. Do they move it further out into January and into February, or do they work the calendar back? Because I think that sometimes a critique of college football is, you know, the seasons kind of <coughs> wrap up in late Thanksgiving time, and then you know, particularly in, in some of the the bigger profile bowls, they're they're later in the season, and teams have longer layoffs and you know, there's, there's more uncertainty about what, what you sort of see on the field and fans kind of move on to the NFL or whatever. Um, so if they move this, the calendar up toward the fall season, I think providing some continuity with the season there would be good for ratings and holding audiences. Um, sponsors have to love it in the sense that, you know, advertisers have to love it in the sense that, you know, live sporting events are one of the few remaining pieces of inventory in television where, you know, people will tune in to a live event at a specific time. And that makes for great advertising in the sense that you have an audience that you know is going to be there and you know something about that audience. So for advertisers, this is great. I mean, they're, they're excited because it just expands 
the supply of a of a scarce asset, right? Advertising for live events is a scarce asset, and uh, more live football game provides that opportunity for a bunch of advertisers. Justin Engel joining us. It's a business angle. The conversation about the overlay between business and sports presented by Blackfoot Communications here on Nuanas. Now we do this a couple times per month. Justin's kind enough to join us. One last question. This is just a broad question, not really even about the college football playoff. But as somebody that uh, is an expert when it comes to marketing and marketing tactics, what is the validity of television commercials right now? Because I, I always wonder, mm. I think that there's advertising has evolved where now we have this like podcast advertising is so effective because a lot of times it's coming from the voice you're already listening to. You and I both do this in our podcast, whether it's uh, a new angle podcast or the big sky breakdown where uh, there's no real break in the dialogue. We're just talking about certain different things and then back into the conversation. And so it gives people way less of a excuse, so to speak, to change the channel uh, or, or to fast forward or whatever it might be. Um, but I always wonder when it comes to television commercials, uh, sometimes, you know, there's like the big events where you're just never changing the channel because you don't want to miss a single second of what's going on in the live sporting event. But also there's a lot of people that are DVR on this stuff, whatever it might be. But where do you stand just in terms of where television commercial advertising is uh, compared to when it when it once was probably the dominant form of advertising in all of the country? Yeah, I consider television advertising to be kind of an imprecise tool in the sense that if you just want to create general brand awareness and get your brand in front of a lot of people at a single time, it's a pretty good tactic. Um, but you have to understand that you have a pretty low involvement um, audience, meaning the audience is they, they know it's a commercial break, a timeout or whatever, and they're probably you know paying you know some sort of fraction of their attention to the television just to make sure they don't miss the next play. Um, so it's imprecise in that sense. It's also imprecise in the sense that you know you might know something about the um, demographic and psychographic and behavioral graphic uh, attributes of the audience that's watching a particular game at a particular time. But it's pretty crude. Um, with some of the digital marketing techniques we have, you know, on, on Facebook and Google or some of the other online providers, you have a much better you have much better precision as to you know who you're reaching, and you can target uh, specific messages to specific people at specific times. Um, that said, it continues to be a captive audience. You know, as I said before, like live sporting events present one of the few remaining opportunities to know that a particular audience is going to be tuning in at a particular moment. And so though you might lose their attention, given it's a timeout, um, you still know that people kind of build their day around watching a game at a particular time. And that gives you an opportunity to access that audience. So, you know, I think, I think it comes down to what are you trying to achieve? If you're trying to achieve general brand awareness or brand building activities, probably pretty good. If you're trying to persuade, get people to change their attitude, get people to, to, to take a, a specific action, probably less effective because, you know, the people just aren't in a, um, in a position where they're that involved in the media and in the content to, uh, to really be moved in that way. But, um, from a general, you know, from a, from a general brand building perspective, I think it's still, it's pretty effective in, in this particular context. I have one more question on this, but we will save it until the, the end of the segment. Cause we do have a couple other things to 
get sure. to Justin Angle joining us here on a business angle. Uh, it is uh, every other week conversation here on Nuanas Now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl. So this is a new bowl game that will take place on December 18th at SoFi Field. That's in Los Angeles, Inglewood, California. But Jimmy Kimmel, who I'm sure everybody listening knows who that is, he's a late-night talk show host. He is sponsoring a bowl. This is new territory. I don't even know what to think of this. I didn't even know this was happening until Justin uh, put it in our show prep. So, I mean, tell us about this. This is, this is, I have never heard of anything like this. This has to be the first time this has uh, been, that this has happened, right? Uh, I mean, it's the first instance I've heard of, of an individual kind of sponsoring a, a bowl game. And I think, you know, the, the quote from Jimmy Kimmel was interesting. He said, this is the first time that this has ever happened, although I've not researched it, which is kind of classic Kimmel. <laughs> right. um, I think it's particularly interesting on, on a bunch of dimensions. One, it's, it's a new form, you know, it's, it's a new marketing tactic that I hadn't seen before, so it caught my attention. Two, I mean, you juxtapose, like, a new bowl game earlier in the bowl um, schedule um, juxtaposed against this expanded college football playoff. Like, what? Is, how is this going to shake out? Are we going to see more bowl games or fewer bowl games as this playoff kind of, as this expansion of playoff potentially happens or doesn't happen? So, you know, this is a three-year contract for a new bowl um, but in the long term, like how sustainable are these minor bowls? I mean, I think it's like the, I think that the two teams that will compete are like the, 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 the Mountain West Conference winner against the fifth placed team in the Pac-12. You know, so, so it might be an outstanding game, but, you know, it's probably two teams that are in general, um, you know, above average, uh, you know, I don't know. You probably know better than I, the quality of the teams that will show up in this game. That's, I mean, it's, it, I, Jimmy I Kimmel the biggest, uh, I'm the biggest hater ever when it comes to this, because I just think it's just ass nine. <laughs> I, I mean, I just think it's crazy that half of the teams in college football go to a bowl game more than half. I think, I think 55% of teams right. go to a bowl game and that is, but I also understand the fan element of it, I mean, it, it you know, it doesn't really matter if, you, if you're if you the fifth best team in the Pac-12. That team's fans are going to go to that bowl game probably, and especially since it's in L.A. Yep. You know, it's a, it's a destination, all that stuff. So uh, it is interesting. But I, 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 you made a comment a little earlier that I want to actually uh, circle back around to, and that is... Yeah, if the if you milk the cow, sometimes they get a little tired. Maybe not as as much milk. If you milk the cow too much, but what is that breaking point when it comes to sports and business right now in in America? Because it seems to me that the fervor, the tribalism associated with it, the identity connection that so many people have with their favorite sports teams, particularly in college, but also across the pro levels, it seems like the appetite is just voracious. And I just don't really know if there is a breaking point. It seems to me, I mean. We got even we have a 24-hour-a-day uh, sports network even in Montana here now on SWX Montana. So there's sports all over the place all the time, and with the streaming abilities and the TV rights stuff and all of the influences, it seems like it's just never ending. So is there a cap to this? Do you see there's a breaking point, or is this just infinite in its growth? I mean, that's a question with so many things in our society, right? Like, there's a theoretical breaking point. We just don't know what it is, right? I mean, you, it, we know that Tesla stock can't continue to rally forever, but I don't think anybody is willing to bet against it at this point. You know, those those sorts of things, and you can say that in so many different contexts. I, you know, I think ultimately with, with sports, uh, there is a quality function, right? 
expand the number of teams, the number of games, if you expand supply to a point where the quality of, of the viewing experience, the entertainment value goes down enough that folks will start, stop tuning in. I mean, we saw that um, maybe in the 90s with NBA expansion. You know, there, were, there was a point at which they were adding teams, and those teams just were not kind of up to the quality level. And, you know, attendance suffered and ratings suffered. And, um, you know, I think we're also kind of, you got to layer on top of this, the moment we're in is where, you know, there's been this COVID effect where people haven't been able to go to games, and a lot of the games have been canceled. And so, like, there's just this pent-up demand for these types of events and things to rally behind and experience. And so I, I do think that, that that might be pushing some of this new renewed demand. And then beyond that, like something I mentioned earlier, this is a scarce asset for advertisers, right? There are very few things um, that you're going to tune in for at a particular time on a particular day. And advertisers know that, and advertisers drive a lot of this market, and they're going to milk it for as much as they can. Coulter, I don't know what the what the what the what the inflection point is. Although it does seem like, you know, not everybody can get a gold star and a blue ribbon. There has to be a moment at which not everybody's a winner, and you've got to look for quality. Um, some of these lower tier bowl games can be fantastic games, just because you got two teams that, um, you know provide an exciting game and an exciting matchup, but do they really tell us anything about the quality of, of those teams in the broader sense? I'm not quite so sure. So, you know, as the playoff maybe gains some steam, maybe the Bulls sort of become less relevant. Um, I kind of have a sense that that might happen, but right now it still seems like people want to go to these games. They want the experience, and they're willing to uh, pay and watch, and uh, advertisers know that, so it'll keep going. Justin Angle joining us. It's a business angle presented by Blackfoot Communications. We do this a couple times a month, talking about the relationship and overlay between business and sports. It's Nuanas now as well, 1029 ESPN Missoula. All right, last topic here, Justin. We mentioned SoFi Field, where the Jimmy Kimmel Los Angeles Bowl will be taking place uh, in December. Well, so is the 2022 Super Bowl. The SoFi Stadium is... I don't even know how many billions of dollars that they put into this thing, but it is crazy. The... Uh, the, the L.A. teams were on hard knocks last year, so they got kind of an up-close view of SoFi Stadium uh, prepping for the NFL season during that five-part documentary series that they do with training camps you know, across the NFL each and every offseason. So I've seen a lot of the different inner workings of SoFi. It's an amazing facility, uh, state-of-the-art to be sure. Uh, and it definitely looks like it, it was uh, all that all the money they spent on it was spent on it. It certainly is. Uh, it looks like a, just a gem, but also just a very expensive property. But tell us about this because basically this is the NBC will be taking over the Super Bowl and uh, this is going to have a huge impact on the advertising side of things because they're taking it over from CBS and we're expecting quite a leap when it comes to the advertising prices that will be associated with the 2022 Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, there's a few things happening here, right? Like, so as you mentioned, this giant, uh, technologically advanced field facility that provides a great experience for athletes, a great experience for the coaches, the staff, and the viewers. Um, yeah, so there's that, right? And then how do you monetize that investment? Well, I mean, they're off and running with, you know, they get this, this deal for the Super Bowl. They're going to have, you know, 
uh, major events going forward. Some of the biggest events in sports are booked into this facility in the coming years. Um, so that's a way to kind of continue to digitize that asset in the coming years. What's interesting now to hear is that the, the, the early reports are that 32nd ad spots on the, the 2022 Super Bowl are going for $6 million. So $6 million for 30 seconds. That's up about 10% from what uh, CBS charged last year. So that rate of growth isn't necessarily that surprising. I mean, it continues to be an arms race, particularly since this is a scarce asset, as we talked about. What I found interesting is that NBC also has the rights to the Beijing Winter Olympics that are coming up in 2022. And they're kind of trying to bundle these advertising packages so that um, in order to get um, prime ad placement, so in order to get the placement you want in a particular event, and when I say placement, meaning the time slot, are you in the first quarter, the third quarter, are you right after halftime, are you after, you know, one of the, the, the planned TV breaks or a random timeout, you know, advertisers get control over that, but they have to pay for that control. And NBC is saying, well, you really only have access to the prime spots where we know the most eyeballs will be tuning in if you also buy a package for the Winter Olympics. Um, so they're sort of escalating this um, this control over this scarce supply of advertising inventory that they have by by um, you know making the the benefits of one package apply only if you subscribe to another package. So they're trying to extract you know more advertising revenue from these advertisers that they know are probably interested in, in advertising both properties. But it seems like a pretty heavy-handed manner, uh, you know, pretty heavy-handed tactic to me. And, you know, and you mentioned this this idea before of like, you know, how much can you milk the cow? Well, this seems sort of of a piece with that thinking, right? Like they know they have scarce assets in, in sports programming, and they're just trying to milk as as much out of it as they can, um, because overall the trend in advertising dollars is moving away from television and moving toward the digital platforms. Uh, the online platforms, the mobile platforms. So I think, you know, this is kind of an example of, you know, a cash cow, if you will, to sort of torture this cow metaphor. Um, and they're trying to get as much out of this as they can. And, you know, it, it makes some sense, but it seems a little heavy-handed to me. Well, I have to say that our conversations about the evolution of advertising within live sporting events is the single most thought-provoking thing that I do on this show, Nuana is now. I think about this all the time. <laughs> I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing, but I, I thought of this question the other night, actually, because you and I have discussed, Justin, about Justin Engel, by the way, from the uh, University of Montana Business School joining us. It's a business angle presented by Blackfoot Communications. But, Justin, we were talking about... Uh, Amazon starting to buy up some of these broadcasting rights and how then that might have right. uh, basically catered advertising to specific viewers and consumers. In other words, you know, I'm Coulter. I like to ski. Uh, my Alexa has been listening to me talk about skiing. So now all of a sudden during my NFL games on Sundays, I'm getting skiing uh, advertisements, whether it's for lift tickets or new skis or ski gear or whatever it might be. I think that's absolutely not just uh, feasible, but that is the future. I think that's going to be where it goes. It's just I think it's almost uh, surely going to be that scenario. But my question, though, for you is, Justin, 
How would they do that sort of targeted advertising if you're watching a game in a packed bar? Or would it do, would it, would it be completely different? Would it just be a different sort of advertising package? Because you're going to have people from all... You can't cater to the interests of a, a giant crowd like you can to people's broadcasts in their homes. So what, what does that scenario look like? Well, I mean, I think it uncovers a bunch of different possibilities, right? Like, you know, Amazon, um, if they... It all, it all sort of depends, like, through what internet device you are streaming the content, right? Are you streaming it through a device that Amazon has access to the data? So will Amazon know that Coulter's watching this game in the comfort of his home, or is he watching it at the press box or wherever? Um, and so, you know, if, if the game is being streamed through a device at a bar, then they will know, hey, we can just serve up some general audience advertising. We're not going to get too precise here. We're just going to sort of serve up the Budweiser ads and, you know, the, that sort of stuff. Whereas if I know a, a, you know a particular stream is being viewed through a device in a home, I think it goes past just knowing that Coulter likes skiing. I think it it's going to be able to say, well, you know, I know Coulter's refrigerator is maybe low on milk, Right, so I'm going to give him a milk ad because I know that, you know, or, or not even an ad. I mean, that's the other thing, too. Like, Amazon doesn't necessarily have to advertise. They can just say, hey, we know you need milk. Click here or just say yes, and we'll send it to you, Prime, and it'll be there in 35 minutes or whatever the heck they'll be able to do by the time this comes to pass. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, the, the, you know, the level of precision they'll have is a, you know, orders of magnitude beyond what we have now and if it's streamed they should be able to know is this streamed in a household is this streamed in a bar and they can probably serve up uh content um regardless i mean uh, content where it's being streamed and that still is operating on the assumption that it's actually advertising that amazon decides to do as we said before maybe they make it a you know an hour and a half experience um for the viewers and and change the way we interact with professional sports altogether. I don't know. Amazon's got such deep pockets that they don't need to think of this as an advertising asset. That's exactly right. The deepest pockets ever, in fact. Justin, thanks so much for spending so much time with us, man. Hope you're enjoying your travels, and uh, we'll get with you here uh, in just a short while. But in the meantime, be well. You as well. Thanks, Coulter. A Business Angle with Justin Angle from the University of Montana Business School. It's presented proudly by Blackfoot Communications. You're listening to Nuanez Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula. Get you a little bit more prepped up for this NBA game tonight. Keep it right here. Sports Bet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sports Bet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. ESPN Radio Missoula. 
Welcome back. Hope everybody's having a great Thursday. I'm Coulter Nuanez. This is Nuanez Now. Broadcasting to you live on 1029 ESPN Missoula, like we do each and every weekday between 4 and 6 p.m. If you missed anything in today's show, really fun show, continue our Senior Spotlight Series presented by Palmer's Drug and McElmurray Homes. Back at Arthur, the recently named Montana Gatorade Player of the Year in Boys Soccer out of Missoula Hellgate. Swung by the studio to talk about his high school career, both an outstanding soccer and basketball player, as well as his decision to go to Whitworth, one of the top Division III uh, colleges, period, but also great athletic departments in the Northwest region. And so he'll, he will, uh, we will wish him the best of luck as he takes his uh, soccer talents uh, to the collegiate level. We also had our good friend Carolyn swing by, chick who doesn't know sports, to talk about a variety of things, including LeBron James and the plague of injuries across the uh, NBA. We also did a little NBA playoffs. The big news of today Rick Carlisle, the head coach of the Dallas Mavericks, out after 13 years at the helm. He resigned. So Donnie Nelson, Rick Carlisle, both out in Dallas. We'll see where Luka Doncic and the Mavs go. Also gave you some Lady Grizz recruiting news. Both the decommitment of Maya Hansen, who has then uh, the Billing Central product, now committed to Butler uh, in Indianapolis, as well as then the commitment of Dio Acker. So that, that's uh, so you get you lose the Billing Central product, you get the Melstone product. So Lady is sort of swapping out recruits, and uh, we'll keep you up to date with all the recruiting news across the state of Montana, both Montana and Montana State, throughout the summer, because that will definitely be a big part of uh, our coverage plan and our discussion here on Nuanez. Now, we also heard from Justin Angle, a business angle, talked about the p- potential um, expansion of the college football playoff. What that means for the TV rights and the monetization element of this, the advertising dollars that could be garnered from it. Jimmy Kimmel, uh, he has now bought the naming rights to a bowl game. The L.A. Bowl is now the Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl, which will be held at SoFi Stadium. So that's the first of its kind, and a celebrity branding themselves uh, with a bowl game. Uh, that's interesting. And then we also talked about NBC acquiring the Super Bowl rights and them raising the advertising um, rates for Super Bowl commercials to uh, 10%. That's 10% up from what CBS charged, $6 million for a 30-second spot. So uh, this thing continues to churn. The amount of money and the amount of money being spent across America is a fascinating thing. I don't really know how much longer it can last. The fact that there was so much cash from the Fed injected into the economy, in fact, seven times more than in any other calendar year in the history of this country, I don't know. We're not going to go down that hole. I know you guys don't want to hear about any of that. You're here for the fun times and the sports. It's been a really fun show, so if you miss anything in it, go check it out on the podcast. N-U-A-N-E-Z will get you there. That's N-U-A-N-E-Z. Podcast probably presented by Blackfoot Communications, the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel, and Sports Bet Montana. The NBA playoffs will be on ESPN tonight on television. We will have the Missoula Paddleheads. Uh, pre-game will start here in about 50 minutes for the Missoula Paddleheads. And uh, then the first pitch, 7.05, the Paddleheads down in Ogden, Utah, against the top team from the south. So top team from the north in Missoula Paddleheads versus the top team in the south, the Ogden Raptors. Jeff Safford will be on the call, so keep it right here on 1290 ESPN Missoula. Tomorrow, back at it, Regime Seabrook in studio with me. We'll see you at 4 o'clock tomorrow. In the meantime, have yourself a phenomenal summer evening and be good. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear 
at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or of course you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold, or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.